Father, we thank you that your fire and your power are a real thing. Something that we can experience, something we can know. It's tangible. It's not something that we just sing about and not know. Lord, we can have a fire within us that never goes out. We can have a power within us that is always running. Father, we can know what it means to live with electricity in our spirit. To have your power and your fire that you promised in Matthew 3.11. There is one coming who will baptize you with fire. It's a fire that no man can put out because it's not of man. It's from heaven. The Father asks us all, He says, How badly do you want my power and my fire? What are you prepared to do? Where are you prepared to go to receive the fullness of what I have for you? The Bible says that God searches the earth to and fro, looking for hearts that are wholeheartedly committed to Him. Vessels that He can pour the fullness of His life out into. For He knows those vessels will lay down their lives and do the will of God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, even if, even if you kill us, we will not bow down and worship your God. Two powerful words, even if. We've got to be prepared for that, even if. It's a position in Him that can be in you. I'm not bowing down. I'm not putting other things ahead of you. Even if this is more attractive, even if this is a better offer, even if this looks more luxurious, even if, even if I'm not substituting first place to you, Father. You can't have new wine unless you've got a new wine skin. And in the pressing and the crushing, he's forming a wine skin in us. That he would pour out new wine. Otherwise, the new wine bursts the old skin, the old mindset that says, I understand to believe rather than I believe to understand. I, be- I understand before I trust. No, I trust before I understand. And just as I was praying, the Spirit just said, just remind my people they will never understand me in their minds until I renew your minds. Don't even try to understand me in your carnal minds for your minds are not big enough to grasp the bigness of who I am. Only when the power of God is operating in us will we ask, think and imagine according to how He is and not before that. That's why He says now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask, think, imagine according to the power that's working in you. So as He fills us with a greater level of His power, we're able to see who He is. And then we ask from that position because He's more than able to do immeasurably more than you dream. Don't try to understand me in your mind. You will limit me and you and who I've called you to be. Receive through my power who you are in me. In my son, receive it. I give it. I speak it. I write it down. 
that you can know it. Know me, know who you are in me, and then live out for that is the empowerment to live this life and to do God's will, to prove his will, for our lives to be the proof of him. You'll know my disciples by the way they love one another. Love is a core value of heaven. For God is love. So Father, tonight, as we position ourselves again to hear your word, I pray we wouldn't just hear words in our natural filter, but our spirit right now would be attuned and would tune in to hear the magnitude of what we're about to hear. And that we would not shrink back from the magnitude of your word, but we would run into you. And we would seek you for the revelation of what we hear tonight. We would not stop seeking, knocking and asking until the picture of what you've already painted is revealed. Father, you are the master Picasso. You paint with color, vibrancy and life. your purpose that's found in you. So Father, I pray the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in the knowledge of you tonight. That we would know what the hope of your calling is. What the inheritance for us as saints is. According to the power of your strength, bringing that to light in our spirits. I ask this in Jesus' name. as we go forward I really do want to encourage you all not to try and grasp what is said in the carnal mind okay that's our first point of call for the natural is to try and understand what you're hearing in your natural filter okay God has given us ears of the spirit and eyes of the spirit to hear and understand. Jesus said to his disciples, you don't understand because you can't hear. Do you think they could hear what he was saying? So it's got nothing to do with hearing in the natural. And it's everything to do with hearing from the Spirit. And we're going to look at a passage tonight that says, then the Spirit needs to renew the mind to what was spoken. And see, the problem with man as man operates from the natural things and wonders why he or she never has the life that you read about because the operating system 
is not of heaven. And yet God has given us the operating system called the Holy Spirit in which to understand the things of heaven. And if we understand the things of heaven because we're seeing the things of heaven, then we enter into the reality of life that heaven brings. Okay? So I want to say this because I'm about to read something which will probably blow our minds. <laughs> and it's okay for your mind to hurt a little bit. Yeah? Okay, so this isn't out of Ephesians. This is out of Hebrews. It talks about the believer's rest. And that there's this rest that's in Christ. And that we cease from our works. We, or actually it says when you enter into his rest, you cease from your works. Okay. Called the believer's rest, and it said, but the Israelites, they never entered into this rest because they didn't hear. They were in unbelief. And so they never partook because they didn't apply sight to faith to what they were hearing. So they never entered into. And there's this rest that's available, but it says this in Hebrews 4, verse 3 For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. His works were finished before the world began. <laughs> Try and get your head around that. Everything in him was finished before the world began. So what's happening now is just the outworking of his purpose and his plan. That's why it's not about doing anything. It's about seeing what is already finished. It's not about recreating, redreaming, not rewriting. All it's about is seeing what is already finished before he outrolled the plan. How trippy is that? That's why Jesus was always foretelling the future. I'm going to die. Was he dead when he said that? No, he was alive. He said, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to rise again. And did he rise again? Yeah. So why didn't they hear him? Why were they so downcast when he died? It's weird, isn't it? If I tell you I'm going away for a week, but I'm going to be back, it'd be like telling my daughters, they say to me, Dad, especially Lily, Dad, how long are you going away to Cambodia for? She doesn't like it when I go away. Maddie says, go. <laughs> when are you going? How long are you going for? Dad, sweet. I'll just work on mum while you're away. <laughs> but Lily doesn't like it. How long are you going for? When are you going? When are you coming back? What time does the plane leave? What time does the plane land? When are we coming to pick you up? She knows you know, everything before I leave. So I tell her. So I so say, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And so, yeah, there's a bit of sadness, but in the, at the same time, there's hope, and she knows I'm okay because Dad's coming back. So why is it when Jesus told them that he was going to die and come back, when he died, they were so downcast and went back to their normal life, it was because they couldn't hear him. You see, the plan was already foretold before the foundations of the world began. So you and I 
And that's what I love about this book of Ephesians, because there's so much in it, need to see what's in it. See, so often what we do is we read a book and go, well, I finished, I read it. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me to say to you tonight. He said, tell my people until they see what's in my book, they never read it at all. See, we have this thing in our mind that goes, oh, I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I know it. No, until you see what's in it, you know nothing. Nothing. You could read and we could go Ephesians for the next hundred years and still not see what is being declared before the foundation for he rolled out the plan. That's why Psalm 139 says, I know I've numbered your days. I've forewritten it before the foundation of the earth. You were chosen to be what? Ephesians 1 verse 4, holy and blameless. Before you ever sinned, you were not a sinner. See, we keep beating ourselves up for stuff and God's going, guys, come on, let's walk with my spirit. I want to open your eyes to see who you were before you even breathed life. So why? So I can enter into and walk out what already was before he said, let there be light. You know what that does? It builds confidence. It takes away the doubt. It takes away the if, maybe, buts. It just is. Paul says, I'm so confident of the day that he's going to return. He says, you know what? To live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to physically be killed is gain. (laughs) To take me right now is gain. We're trying to hold on to our life. He says, to die is gain. It's amazing. What did the man know and see to be able to say, well, my life taken out is a gain anyway. There's no loss in physical death. Because he had a knowledge. He had a true knowledge. He had a revelation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had taught him. He then goes on to say, to me to stay here would be gain for me. So to even to stay on earth and to go through more persecution, more trials, more tribulation, to end up in prison would still be gain. I think that's pretty impressive, dealers. And it would be gain for you too. He says, I'd actually, if I had a choice, I'm a little bit stuck between whether I want to go or stay. But either way, it's gain. Either way, there's no loss. Why was that possible? Because the man saw what the plan was before to the end. And he ran the race set before him with that level of sight. So then he writes this book called Ephesians. It's actually a letter. It's not a book. It's a letter. In the hope that you and I would see what is right in front of us. It's really simple, but it's profoundly mysterious, yes? Because you can read and read and read and never get what's right in front of you. Or you get your version of what's in front of you. Seeing as our Father says it. Profoundly prophetic and deep. Have you grasped the magnitude of those words? Seeing it as the Father says it and sees it himself. 
not your interpretation through your trying to understand it in your human, logical, reasonable mind. Now, I am not saying our mind is not fit for the purposes of God. It is. But it's about a mind of Christ mindset, which is not how I come into life, primarily meaning my carnal mind. It's through receiving it through the power of the Holy Spirit into my spirit, and then my mind is renewed by the power of the Spirit to what is right in front of me. Then I have the mind of Christ to the measure that I can now speak of the things that I'm looking at, which cause the life in me. So it's about hearing, understanding, seeing completely in the spirit. I don't hear in the natural and see in the spirit. It's not yin and yang, okay? It's not light and day, it's one or the other. So there is the hearing, understanding, seeing in the natural, and there is the hearing, understanding, and seeing in the spirit. They don't go from there to there. If you hear in the spirit, you will receive something through the spirit. You may not understand what you've received, but you'll be able to go, something shifted in me. Something is happening in my spirit because it's like someone comes and puts a drip straight into your spirit with life. You have life in you, but you can't yet articulate what it is because you don't understand it. Okay? You can have a joy in you, but if understanding doesn't come, what happens to that seed? It never produces fruit. Matthew 13. So you can get excited about stuff because your spirit is hearing something. But because understanding doesn't come because you don't have seek the spirit for your mind to be renewed, ultimately what happens to that seed? It dies. Or it gets choked by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth because you're still trying to come into the understanding of it through your human mind. It's called learning from the futility of the human mind. That's what we're going to look at in Ephesians. It doesn't produce life. Okay. So... I hope we are seeing what is in these letters. It'll transform you if you can see it. So once again, it's not about getting through six chapters and going, done that, tick that off next. We may never see what's in any of the chapters, and we're called to. So let's go there, and we're going to start... It's Ephesians 4, 17. Actually, just before we do that, just here, I'm going to read out the title of each of the four chapters. Okay, The first chapter, The Blessings of Redemption. I want you to hear this, The Blessings of Redemption. Chapter 1 is about the blessings of redemption. What? are the blessings of being redeemed in Christ. And Paul talks about, you know, you're to know that you've been chosen before the foundations of the earth. What a blessing that is. He says, I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to what? Four things which he gives you, the knowledge of him, the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power toward those who believe. That you've been predestined to know the will of God. See, the whole chapter one is about the blessing of being redeemed. Then you go to chapter two, made alive in Christ. 
you get this stuff. Do you think you're alive in Christ? Made alive in Christ. I was reading this morning this power that couldn't hold him back because he's of the order of Melchizedek and this indestructible life. Why? Because he was chosen by God to be a priest forever. Called to be priests forever, you and I. Why? Because we're of the order of Christ and he was on the order of Melchizedek. So made alive in Christ. Chapter 3, Paul's stewardship. Paul understood all this. Why? Because he had the revelation of it all. So then he starts to speak and he tells us, there's a grace upon me to bring to light the mysteries of what the Father has shown me that are in Christ. And you see the pattern that's unfolding. Blessings that are in Christ. You would know all this reality that's in the Son. You're then made alive in Christ. It's not outside of Christ, is it? Everything's in the Son. Then Paul tells you, I've been given this grace to bring to light these mysteries. He then tells you how the process of entering into the love of God through power. Then unity of the Spirit is chapter 4. So you get this, 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 it creates oneness. I pray that you would be 10 (laughs) with a whole different bunch of mindsets because that's called diversity and that's called freedom. No, that's called bondage and just dumb. I pray that you would have one mind, one love, one spirit intent on One purpose. And then he starts talking about walking in a manner worthy of the calling. Well, see, you've grasped the calling because you've got in the sight from one, two, and three. So he doesn't speak to nothing. He's speaking into the picture that God has shown him. It's vital you and I see what he's trying to teach us to see. Otherwise, you're just running aimlessly. Yeah? So there's a race that's set before us. Do you know the race? Otherwise, your life is not connected to the race. It's just aimlessly walking around. So there is a very intentional, specific purpose in God, which that's what we've been looking at. And I'm hoping you're hearing it and going back and not just, oh, that was a nice Sunday, but you're eating, 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 asking, seeking, show me what is in front of me. It's unbelievable. So then we get here, and he talks about the giftings, which Mal spoke about beautifully last week. God's given these giftings to build the house. Who's the house? Us. Okay, he's given us all these giftings, but here he speaks about specifically five giftings so we don't what? Get tossed to and fro. We're not coming up with 10 different versions of Christ. We're not doing this. We're walking like that in alignment. We're powerful. We're a plumb line. We're in a narrow gate and a narrow path, and we're walking upright with our shoulders back. We're a body. It's like Usain Bolt. Man's a powerful man when he's in action, isn't he? When he's running. Everything's working in unison. The muscles ripple. You know, he does the 100 meters and whatever he does at 9 point something seconds. Fastest man on the planet was. Why? Because his body is flowing together as one. This is to be us. But self can't exist in this picture. 
Self has long been killed for this to be a reality. You, we grasping this? See, the reason why this is still not a reality in the body of Christ is because self is still living. Because we can't see. Do you know the greatest thing to kill self is not you trying to kill yourself. It's seeing who you've been called to be. When you see who you've truly been called to be, you let go of you. See, we need something greater to enter into us for us to let go of us. Self is so powerful. We heard it this morning. The things I don't want to do, I'm doing. Because there is something greater in me called sin, which is causing me to do this thing. Now, it's not me, but it's causing me to do these things that I don't want to be doing. And the things that I want to do, I can't seem to get to. There's this force operating me. There's this nature that mm, Paul is wrestling with it. Now, it doesn't stop him in the sense of coming into sight. So as he sees, he moves towards. So the greatest thing to overcome yourself is to see who you've been called to be. God says you are it, but you need the revelation of who you are in Christ. Otherwise, you will just say, I'm not it. Hence, like Danny said, you call him a liar. So don't call him a liar. If he says you are this, you are it. What you need to ask him for is the revelation of it. Otherwise, you're saying he's a liar. His grace still covers because he'll see the intention of the heart. Okay? So then you hit verse 17. It's powerful. I'm going to read it out. 17 to 24, I'm just going to take line by line and build something. I love it. It's called the Christian's walk in my Bible. So this I say and affirm. Oh, there's that word. Affirmation. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. Don't you love that? With the Lord. I'm so close to him. What I say is of him. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, their hearts, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reverence to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you being renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Bang. So let's go back to 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. I speak on behalf of my Lord. I am the voice piece for God. This is what he's saying. I have a gracing on me to speak the truth. If Jesus was beside me, we would be saying exactly the same thing. Do you know that can be you and I? Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that you've been called to be a voice of truth on this earth and to speak truth as if the Father was speaking truth? I'm a voice in the wilderness speaking truth, John the Baptist said. Many won't listen to you, many will. Imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Paul saying that, yeah? So you and I have been called to be voices of truth. We need to know the truth. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer, say no longer. You walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Are you a Gentile? So you're no longer to walk like you used to walk because you've been brought into the commonwealth of Israel. You've been grafted into the people of God. No longer walk as a Gentile. Walk as a person of God, a person of royalty, a person who thinks like they are of royalty, a person who knows, sees, hears, understands, and lives. Don't walk like you used to walk. Okay, This is what he's trying to say. Just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Futile. Trying to grasp all of this in your mind. First, the mind is not the place of understanding. The spirit is, the heart is. Jesus said understanding starts in the heart of man. He said, why are you reasoning, Pharisees, in your heart, the thoughts of your heart? The word says the word will judge the thoughts and attitudes of your mind. No, your heart, your spirit. See, if you try and understand God in your mind, it's futile. You're always asking, why am I getting this? Why am I getting this? This sounds really weird. This sounds, f- yeah, because you're trying to understand it in the futility of your mind. The spiritual language cannot be interpreted through the carnal mind. Paul said, I speak spiritual words with spiritual thoughts. Jesus said, I speak words of spirit and life. Paul said, you have the words of eternal life, which are spirit. Duh. That's why when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, they all said, no, cannibalism. Is this us? Are we thinking cannibalism? So when you hear things like, you're not my mother, you're not my brother, what do you think? Do we get offended or do we go, I hear that, understand that, see that, yes, Lord. See, do we see as the Father says or do we see as we think he says? And then do we judge it through our filter and go, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's never going to make sense to my mind first. I have to hear it in my spirit and allow the spirit of God to renew my mind because everything in God is back to front. But in him, it's the right way round, isn't it? (laughs) So this is what he's talking about. Then he gives you what happens if you do. Being darkened in their understanding. So if you walk as a Gentile in the futility of your mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. See, it will get you excluded from the life that you've been called to live in. And it's a rich life. It's an eternal life first within you. It's to have the substance of heaven in the church, the hope of glory. Okay? which lasts forever because as he was a priest forever, you're going to be a priest forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And you're going to minister to the Lord, have his name printed on your forehead and see his face. That's the reward for the bond servants in Revelation 22. Wow, did you know that was there? Good. 
So we've got to live as bond servants now, don't we? What does that mean? Go have a look and figure out what that means to live as a bond servant. But don't live as the Gentiles did in the futility they might. Why? Because you'll be excluded from the life of God, which is now, because of the ignorance that is in them. If you didn't or have not heard Daniel's message this morning, please go and listen to it and eat it. Because it's all about the rendering of our heart. It's all about the hardness of the heart. God come to press, come to crush, come to do a work in the soil. Why? So the life of God could be in you and you would not be ignorant to the things of God, but you would be the demonstration of the things of God. Why? Because you've been called for an eternal purpose, which is what the whole book of Ephesians is on about. It's a powerful way. Eh? And then it says, the ignorance was in them. God's been speaking to me a lot about those that fall on the rock are broken to pieces. Okay, It's an absolute statement, Luke 20. He says, the stone the builders rejected, then he talks about people that fall on the rock are broken to pieces. What gets broken? Everything. What's the rock? And Christ is our foundation. So what gets broken to pieces if you fall upon the rock? Self, which is the foundation of man, which is pride. So if pride is smashed, do you think pride still exists if it's smashed? No. So what happens if you fall and you just get a chip? Is pride still living? What happens if you fall and you just get a few cracks? Is pride still living? But you know you've changed because you say, well, yeah, I'm not the person I used to be. Awesome. But ultimately, the foundation, which is still me, is still living. So I can actually reject God when God comes to do a pressing and a crushing work and go, that's not of you. Why? Because it doesn't look like or I think like or understand how it works. Because I've been taught everything in God's going to go really, really well. I'm going to be blessed abundantly with all these good things. And if it's not, I'm going to cast out the demon and spit it out. And everything will be okay. And God's like, what are you doing? You see, the mind, it's futile. And see, if we only fall and get a chip or a crack, our foundation, which needs to be Christ, is still me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Why? Because your pride has been smashed, no longer to be put back together again. It's gone. When you grab a jar and you drop a jar, smash, you what? Go get a new one. Let's get all the pieces and try and glue that baby back. No, you go, I need a new jar. Okay, it's a new foundation. It's called Jesus Christ. And then you move from that. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that defines all the other Beatitudes. See, it's a B attitude. It's in you. But if I come at my mind to understand that, I will reject it. And so I'll be outside of the life that's in God. I will be this. This will be my literal reality. And sometimes we don't even know we do it. Because when he comes like the message, and my wife is going through this, and we're going through this, you want to run. And you want to justify, and you want to blame, and you want to deny, and you want to hide. 
And you want to point the finger at everybody else and go, stop doing that thing. It's making me act the way I'm acting. So I'll remove myself from the very thing and it will go away. No, it doesn't go away, does it? Because it's you. It's in you, but it's not you in Christ, but it's in you. He wants to come and heal it so you can enter into this life that he's talking about. But if we process it through the mind, it's futile. And so we're outside of this incredible life because it's the hardness of our hearts. And that's what he's saying, because of the hardness of their heart. This is a common thing known to man. Jesus said, do you guys, do you still not have any insight? Sight within from the blessing of the 5,000. I'm not just blessing, feeding people. I'm trying to get you to come to me. See, you didn't gain any insight. You're just so focused on the miracle. You didn't gain any sight within to see I am the bread of life. Same thing. The callousing of our hearts creates the deadness of our heart, darkened in our understanding. Hence, he says, I want to heal the broken heart. And as I said, sometimes we don't even know what's going on in our own hearts. That's the problem. That's why we need to walk with one another because others will see it. They'll tell you, here's an issue. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> and then it pops out again. Do you know what you look like? No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's not me. That's you. Okay. You know what we do? We kill the messenger. Anyone been killed for bringing love? <laughs> but the cool thing is love can go there, right? Eh? Love can be killed and killed. See, that's the last beatitude. Blessed, sorry, blessed are, is the peacemaker, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, living like him. You see, if you don't go through this process of having your pride smashed, you can't live that out. You won't live it out because when someone comes at you, you will fight back. You don't have the capacity in you to love on the behavior that's coming at you. You get found out. Now, it's not wrong. It just is. And you're supposed to go, oh, that wasn't Jesus coming out. That was anger. That was spitting. That was the viper. Whatever that is, that's the Pharisee. Oh, self-awareness is a great thing in the body of Christ. We just need to get more of it. <laughs> That's you, see? Do you know what spirit you're operating from, James and John? It's called the spirit of death. You want to kill people that I came to save. So if we try to grasp all this stuff in our minds, it's going to do us no good, and we're outside of this life, and it's this life he's called to bring us into. So then it goes on in verse 19, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Just let's flip over to 2 Timothy. Sometimes we read that and we think, oh, that's not me. I'm not an impurity. That's not me. Oh, really? Here we go. I'm going to give you a list. Okay. Here's a more defining list. Difficult times will come. You ready? 2 Timothy 3. All right, let you get there. I'm there. <laughs> I know I didn't say it. Come on, just get in the spirit. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, 1. 
bat. Fine Thessalonians, keep going. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. Have we found it? It's not in the Old Testament, it's in the New. <laughs> That's right. I had to look up the page number for um, Joel today. I was like, oh, I know it says somewhere. Oh, I'm going to muck around with that. Then he'll be finished by the time I find it. <laughs> okay, you ready? But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Who do you reckon we should just stop there? <laughs> you see, if you're trying to understand things in your mind, it won't lead you to life, which means you'll still be a lover of you. You will still be the number one in your life. You might try and kid yourself and know God is, but no, you will be. You'll be a lover of self. Man. Lovers of money. Ooh. Lovers that are boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its... He's talking to the church. The non-Christians do not have a form of godliness. Okay, So he's referring to us. He's referring to the body of Christ. That in these last days, do you think our lives could be the sign of the times? Sometimes when we hear these sign of the times, we think it's like there. You know, it's there. No, no, it's our lives. See, men will be lovers of self. So our lives are the signs of the times we're living in. Men will be lovers of money. Do people love themselves? Do they love money? Do they love all the things that we do? Yeah. Why? Because we're still trying to understand God through our mind. We're still trying to come into this whole picture through the ability to learn and study. Doesn't work. So you have the deeds of the flesh still operating. You have a form of godliness. What does that look like, guys? Looks like turning up to a Sunday night to hear me rabble on about Ephesians 5, possibly. <laughs> Could be you sing songs, could be you pray, could be you dance, could be you reach the people on the streets. You can have all the activity that looks Christian, but you got no power, no life in you. Why? Because it's all about the doing, the doing, the function. But what you haven't got is the spirit of pride is still operating, which means you can't come into life because you reject the truth when it comes because you don't want your heart to be exposed. So you justify, deny, hide it all away, and life continues on as normal. It's called Groundhog Day. And Jesus said, I come to change and transform and bring my people into my image. And it's what I had in my mind before the foundation of the world began. That's good news. I'm just going to keep reading this because this even gets a little bit scarier. Avoid such men as these. Woo! For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. You see, you're always learning, but you're never able to come to the knowledge that sets you free. 
You're always grasping. You're always trying to understand. Oh, if I understand the Hebrew and the Greek and the this and the that, and I'll paint my little picture, then I'm going to have it. No, you won't. Because it's not about learning through that process. That's what all the IQs get lowered when it comes to knowing God. He takes the things that the world builds up and he smashes them. And the Bible says he takes the things that are not and he takes those and he elevates them to confound the wise. I'm not saying God has not given us a mind, but the mind must bow its knee before the Father of heaven and earth before it starts to come into life. He does it just to show you himself. He takes a nobody, a John the Baptist who was a somebody in God, but a nobody in the system. The word of the Lord, I love it. It says there's all the who's who. Go read Luke 3. All the who's who of the current religious and political system are there. Be like Obama and Trump and the prime minister of this and the prime minister of that. Everyone's there. And the word of the Lord came to John. Can you imagine them all going, who's John? Anyone see? It's a Monty Python moment. Do you know who John is? No. Who's John? I don't know. And they go look at all the high officials and they're going to, oh, this is guy that wears, well, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who invited him in? He's the one with the word of the Lord. Of course, it really upsets these guys. So there is these people, they're always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth because their way is not of heaven. So let's come back to Ephesians. It says always learning. Okay, keep that in your mind. Always learning. Verse 20, Ephesians 4.20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Here's my question. How have you received your knowledge of Jesus? Do you know the only way that will change you is through revelation? The only way. So how did you receive your current knowledge of Jesus? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Jesus is the only one who knows the Father, and the Father is the only one, only one who knows the Son, and to whom Jesus, the Son, wills to reveal. You see, if we try and understand God in the futility of our mind, we will be void of the eternal life within us because we are not operating under the operating system of heaven. We need to be apprehended and arrested from this system. We need to repent of it and turn and start crying out and asking God to show us through his spirit who he is. That is the only way to receive life in you that creates the change that enables you to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. Otherwise, it's impossible. You and I cannot walk in the manner to which Jesus walked. If Jesus said, apart from me, Tash, you can do nothing. Why are we trying to come into life apart from Jesus when Jesus says you can do zip? 
Because you know what? The, our pride still lives and goes, yes, we can. You might not even know you're doing it, but yes, we can. Those that build the house build in vain unless the Lord builds the house. A lot of energy, a lot of work. Man can do a lot of cool stuff and it looks attractive to the fleshly eye. It, the lust of the eyes goes, that must be an amazing place. It's full of smoke, lights, glitter, but its substance is nothing. You blow on it and it's gone. Always learning Never coming into power. Always having a form of godliness, but can't somehow seem to love when the behavior doesn't stack up. That's your kicker. If you want to know whether you're in what I'm talking about, can you love on behavior when the behavior is anti-you? Can you love on what's coming at you when it's ugly? Especially when it's pointing the finger and telling you you're the problem. And you're the innocent one. Can you go, Father, forgive the person, my brother or sister in Christ, who doesn't know what they're doing? And I'm going to love and pray and take the hit, just like the one who I worship did. See, if we fully grab this in the body, the level of humility would be incredible. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. Amazing, eh? And this is what he's trying to unpack to us here through these words. You did not learn Christ in this way. How does he know it? Because he knows how he came into Christ. He knows, he has a reference, so he knows how the Ephesian church have come into life. Imitate me. Have a look at his process. This is what my second book's about, or his book, looking at Paul's life. He says this, and continues, Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. In Jesus, taught in him. Heard him, taught in him, truth is in Jesus. Jesus is not a process. I am the way is not a process. It's a person. The truth is not a set of facts or principles. It's a person. The life isn't an outcome. It's a person. I am in the way, the truth. I am it. See, if you're in me and I'm in you and that's growing, developing, if you're abiding, what are you going to have? The life of the person. I'll let that one sit for a bit. I just want to read you Hebrews 6. So you know it says didn't leave, you didn't learn Christ in this way. So Hebrews 6, just 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 hear me, maybe write it down, but don't go there. The the chapter starts about the peril of falling away. Then it comes in better things for you. Okay? So there's this warning about falling away. Then there's this other comment that the writer's saying, but there's better things for you. It talks about this incredible hope that's in the eternal promise of God. And then it says these words, in the same way God 
desiring even more to show to the ears of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. In the same way, what way? That Abraham received the promises by faith, yes? The ability to see, okay? In the same way, God desiring even more, even more. You see, these were the promises to Abraham, but I want to show you even more. I want to show you, show you, show you. Not learning, learning, study, study, study. I want to show you to the ears of promise. Who is that? Us. Are we not the ears of Abraham's lineage? Yes, so God wants to show you. He says, come and ask, seek and knock, because I want to reveal. I reveal, you receive. You don't study me. You don't learn me. You don't go out in a book and try and figure with all the concordances my ways. I want to reveal them, show them, put them in you. It takes this right out of the picture, see? And it brings this to the fore. Hence, he sent the Spirit to lead us into all truth. So what does he want to show you and I? The unchangeableness of his purpose. Let's go back to the start, before the foundations of the earth. I created and set it all in motion. What? My purpose. And all you have to do is be close with me. All you have to do is seek first my kingdom. Not your empire, not the way you think, mine. See, it's about me, Greg. It's about me, 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 me. I have to see my life in him. It's not about me, but we make it all about us. You see, so he's saying there's this unchangeableness in the promise that you and I are to see, and I want to show you. Did you learn, and are you learning these ways in Christ? Can you hear what is being declared through the word of Christ? Back to Ephesians. Taught in him, who is to be our teacher? The Spirit. So what's he teaching you? Mana, every day from heaven, what is the Holy Spirit teaching you? Are we going to school? <laughs> or are we wagging? <laughs> Who wagged here? Who went to school to eat lunch? Someone else's lunch, because you were bigger than them. <laughs> it's called the school of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is everywhere, wants to teach you personally. What, Greg? All the things that are in God that are for you, that you would be the person of God, be part of a body, and be ready for the return of the Christ, because he's going to marry a bride. The eternal purpose in all of Ephesians. And he's, Paul is screaming this. Then he says this in verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. 
that is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. See, what happens when the revelation of this all comes because you're asking, seeking, knocking, you just lay your life aside. Your old life goes, because taste and see that the Lord is good. It's so incredible that compared to that, it's tasteless. It's like the muffin I had on Friday for muffin break compared to the chocolate cake that was delivered yesterday by, what was your name? Emma and, not that was Lily's name, Jess from My Kitchen Rules, thank you, was incredible. I'm never going back to muffin break to get that. I'm going, bake me a cake. <laughs> Come on, woman, get in the kitchen and bake me a cake. I want a chocolate cake. Why? Because my comparison between what I ate on Saturday and that trumps it. Sorry, I'm spitting here. And this is what he's saying. If you get the revelation of this, you will lay aside your old life, your wants, your desires, the things you think are important, the things that are actually choking you to death, the things that are actually shrinking you because you put so much weight on them. Paul had to have something he was comparing his afflictions to, didn't he? Momentary light affliction. Yeah, I don't think so. But it was compared to, compared to what I'm seeing that's set before me. I have to have something to compare it to and the meaning for it. Otherwise, I'll be swallowed up in my stuff. Why on earth would you want God to render your heart? Why? See, if you can't see what's before you, no way, Charlie. Not on the month of Sunday, that thing I've trusted in my whole life, it's called me. I don't know the outcome. I don't know that. So God wants to open up the eyes of our heart so you can see, so he can get on the operating table. What do you have to do if you have an operation? But what do you actually have to do? You have to consent to the operation. You have to sign a form that says, I give you the authority to go to work on my body. God looks for consent. He will not force you. He will wait. Why wait? Why be out of life? Get into life. Get on the table. So, Lord, Lord, you love me. It's all positive. There's no lack. If Paul said to die is gain, get into the game. <sighs> We hold on to stuff thinking it's gain and it's lack, it's loss. Rubbish, amen. So he says the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, we get hoodwinked, don't we? And that you being renewed in the spirit of your mind, renewing the mind through the spirit and put on the new self. Say new self. Say I'm a new creation in Christ. It didn't lack as much conviction. The first one was better. <laughs> Which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. From God's perspective, guys, we are so right. It's just whether we know how right we are. So from his perspective, have a brand new garment. It's called the garment of <laughs> Put it on. Put on the garment. Take off the what? Old rags. Put on the 
new rags, because this is who I'm saying you are. Don't tell me you're not a son when I'm telling you you're a son. Remember, you didn't exist before the foundation of the world, and I saw you 6,000 plus years into the future when I started the whole thing, and I called you 6,000 years, and I'm speaking life into you who you've been called to be. Now, you may have started a bit rough, and you may have a pretty rough upbringing, but that doesn't trump this. I'm going to call you. I'm going to out of the kingdom of darkness, and I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to place you into the kingdom of light. Then I'm going to go to work on your heart. I'm going to go to work on your mind through the power of my word to build a people that I am ultimately coming back for. Because I want to spend my entire eternity with you, and I want you to be this close. Wow. All that is in there. So can we see as Father says? Awesome. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Amen. There's so much for us to come into through the power of revelation. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who Love him in accordance with the working of the Spirit. So Paul is saying that these things that eye hasn't, haven't seen, ear hasn't heard, has not yet entered the heart of man, all that, all that God has prepared, he says, I've seen them. He says, that's why I have the mind of Christ, and I speak of them freely that you may receive them. Can you see why the word that's spoken, it's a spoken word. It's written, but ultimately it's spoken. You hear the spoken word. Faith comes through hearing the word of Jesus Christ. So sight comes from the ability to hear the word of Christ. Not understand words through the mind, but through the power of the Spirit that you've been given to hear the same frequency of heaven, receive it, accept it, believe it into you and allow it to perform its work within you that you would become an imitator of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, 14, 15. An imitator of heaven. Walk in the manner in which I walked. Amen. So, Father, thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you that in the Son there are riches to know, the unfathomable riches that are found in the Son, things of heaven, things of the earth, that you and I can know, church. We can know them. We've been born to know them, born to receive them, and to live our lives demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God, the power of God upon the earth. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B, and he's working with all those that will surrender their lives. If you're not, can I encourage you, urge you to surrender? His love is covering. 
It's not wrong to surrender its right. It's not wrong to not have it all figured out. It's okay. It's not a performance. So Father, Holy Spirit, as we dialogue, as we grapple, as we wrestle now, tomorrow, in our discipleship groups, next week, we ask you to speak and teach us your ways and the life that's in the Son. Bring to light the mysteries of the kingdom that we've been granted to know and have revealed within us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's questions that Rochelle will hang out. So just once again, just um, select someone in the group and let's wrestle together for what's in him.